Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. My co-host Marcus Banks unfortunately had some technical issues this week, but don't worry, he'll be joining me next week. On this week's episode of Level Up, I was joined by the Pep Guardiola of FIFA Esports, Enzo Serre, a professional FIFA coach at Tundra Esports. He's worked with some of the best professional FIFA players in the world, including Tex and MS Dasari. He told me about the role of a FIFA coach, how he became one, his coaching philosophy, how he helped Tex dominate the FIFA esports scene, his thoughts on FIFA 19 and FIFA 20, and also the future of FIFA esports. Enjoy. How you doing, Enzo? I'm good, I'm good. Hi. Uh, thanks for uh, um, uh, asking me to be on this podcast. It's nice to be here. <laughs> no problem at all. Um, so a lot of people listening will obviously be familiar with esports, maybe FIFA esports, but they might not be familiar with FIFA coaches and the fact that mm-hmm. esports players have their own coaches. Just explain what it is you do and what your role is. Uh, it's true that it's something that is not very popular. I mean, we're starting to uh, have more and more coaches in the in the FIFA scene right now, but it's not uh there's not a lot but yeah, yeah there's a lot more coaches and uh yeah basically like every time people ask me what i do i basically answer by the same thing a football coach actually would do so like um you're just preparing everything for your player like uh practice practice games uh you're studying the game a lot um trying to teach uh everything basically tactically about the game uh to the players and I had a lot of things you do, like you can study gameplay, data, a lot of things. Yeah, so it's it's pretty similar, really, to like you said, to a, to an actual football coach. Um, how much like detail do you go into the actual game? Like, do you watch the games back and analyze different phases of play and things like that? Yeah, I actually watch more games that I play myself. Like, uh, I don't play that much. To be fair. Um, every time, like let's say, like for example, a normal day of FIFA, like I would ask my player to do like. Uh, four best of two, like um, FIFA games, and I would basically watch it like two or three times, and just like um, look at different things. I can be, um, it can be like uh, the way we press, uh, the way we turn attack, a lot, a lot of things. So yeah, I spend more time like uh, doing video analysis than actually playing the game myself. I wanted to ask as well. Do you have a certain philosophy on how you like seeing FIFA yes. played, or <laughs> or do do the pros that you work with have you had to kind of maybe change that a little bit? Is it like that in because obviously in football you get the coaches that you have the players available, so you have to work with what you've got. Is it yeah. the same for you? Not really. Like it's sort of I have my own philosophy of uh, of FIFA coaching, like uh, a little bit like we have in uh, in football. You know, like you have. Club who likes to like press really high, uh, fly attack in football. You have uh, I don't know Atletico Madrid who likes to uh, see deep. Like we have a lot on FIFA 20, of course. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I do have this, and I really hope in FIFA in the future coaches will have this influence because right now in FIFA it's more like the players have the have their own play style, and they, I mean, they just play the way they want to play. But it's really it's. It's something I would like to see more is coaches like getting involved and not say to your players, okay, I'll help you, but you can keep your play style, do whatever you want. And more like being, okay, we can play like that. I think the 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 best thing you can do as a coach is find the balance between a nice play style to watch and the meta. And, uh, and that's really something I'm trying to do. So yeah, I would say like my philosophy is more like, yeah, it would be like high press uh, and the balance between position and play with a lot of players forward. I'm not the kind of coach who likes to say to my players, oh, let's just play the meta, play really uh, 
really deep, really defensive, all that kind of stuff. So how did you actually get into it? Were you a professional player beforehand? I was actually, but not on, <laughs> not on FIFA. Um, I was playing Call of Duty when I was uh, like 16, 16 to 18, maybe, uh, in France. So, I mean, the, the Call of Duty scene wasn't uh, very developed, so I was a pro, but not really. Like, you, you were earning money from it, but not like living from that, right? And, uh, and then, uh, how did I get into FIFA? So basically, uh, I was studying um, football coaching and um, sports management at uni. I was still following esports, but I wasn't really into it because, uh, of course, I was focusing on uni mainly. And uh, I decided to coach a team at pretty good level, like U11 in France. So like kids between 10 and 12 years old. And uh, I was still interested in esports, but I didn't know if the FIFA scene was uh, developed. Like, like I said, like I was on Call of Duty mainly, so I didn't know about other games. And um, so I remember once I, uh, I turned on TV and I saw the French championship of FIFA on TV and I didn't know that was that much developed. And at that moment, I realized like maybe I could try to have a career in esports and like combine my passion for coaching in football and esports. And so I just decided to uh, join an organization in France uh, that was called iGamers. And uh, like, it wasn't professional organization, but they were like, oh, okay, we'll just, uh, if you want to build a roster in your organization and just, uh, and just do that, like, we'll, we'll let you do that. And uh, I got pretty lucky because I signed the player and a few months later, we directly qualified for a major, but this player wasn't a pro, he, like he wasn't paid, I wasn't paid uh, either. And we qualified for a major. So uh, from that, I, uh, I just kept going and uh, one day I got this opportunity uh, to join uh, AS Roma Fnatic and uh, at first as an analyst and then as a head coach. So yeah, that was a massive opportunity and that's how I got uh, into uh, FIFA. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty, I mean, getting that player, first of all, to a major, that must have been a bit of a light bulb mo mo moment for you really to say, hang on, there's, mm -hmm. I, I can kind of do this. This is a, a proper career type thing. I mean, the, the thing is that when this happened, I didn't even consider myself of a, as a FIFA coach yet because I was just getting into the scene. And the, the thing is, like in my opinion, my first, I would say, year and year and a half, I didn't consider myself as a as a real FIFA coach. Like I didn't know the game enough. Like I was just starting to know about the esports scene itself and not really about the the game like I do right now. Like right now, I'm more focusing on learning the game and teaching players uh, how to play the meta or to develop the play style, uh, all that kind of things. But uh, at the very beginning, I was more managing players than really coaching. I was more like, you have a lot of coaches right now that do that as well in the esports scene. It's more like they are mental, mental supports more than, um, more than coaches, I would say. I was going to ask about the mental side because that must be, especially in FIFA 20 and FIFA 19, yeah. the mental side, you must get a lot of players get frustrated at different plays when it doesn't happen. Um, how big of a deal is that in terms of getting the player to calm down and, and play their own game? The thing is, there is a lot of things that are going wrong in FIFA, especially with passing and interceptions. And like, it's weird. Like so sometimes some things are rigged. Uh, I won't get into details, but <laughs> uh, j just to like talk about the mental side, I think like you have to focus on what you can control and, and that's it. Like sometimes you will get rigged, but if you play at a hundred percent, if you're tilt proof and you just, you just, like, like I said, like you just focus on what you can control. Sometimes like there are things that are going to happen. You're going to concede goals or there are going to be passes that should, uh, should go through some that should not. But uh, if you're not responsible and you know, if you know the game enough to say, okay, that wasn't my fault, that was the, the problem of the game and you just keep on going and play the game, then, then you will be fine. And you, you see like top players like Tex, like Amazasari, like at LAN events, you never see them mad 
they are always in the game, even when something's wrong is happening. Seeing as you mentioned both Tex and MS Desari there, <laughs> I want to talk about the players that you've you've coached because yep. um, we we described you in the intro as being like the Pep Guardiola of FIFA esports, really, <laughs> because you've managed two of the best FIFA esports players yeah. in the world in Tex and MS Desari. Just explain how you got involved with with Tex and what it was like to work with him. I would have preferred to be called like Arsene Wenger. But, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, considering, I considering, <laughs> no, no, but con- considering I've coached like both of us, how in Texas through that purpose, maybe a, a better comparison. But uh, yeah, so Tex, um, I mean, the, the first time I saw it, uh, saw him, of course, was in Barcelona when he won his, uh, his first major. But uh, at that moment, I didn't, didn't know him, of course. I was uh, starting, uh, it was actually my, my second event, I think. I was uh, with, uh, as Roma uh, as an analyst at the event and um, so uh, it's actually quite a, a fun story how we like how, how this happened um, so I was at the Roma house uh, in London and um, he once uh, came to the house to practice uh, I think it was before the e- e-club world cup and uh, so he practiced with all guys uh, at the house Damien, Zimmer and runners and uh like at some point like we just had fun at the house like just playing games and uh, i remember like uh, at one point we talked about coaching and he was telling me how uh oh uh, i don't think i need a coach uh i'm good by myself and uh and uh at that moment i think he lost four semi-final in a row um during the season of fifa uh, fifa 19 and he was saying um oh uh, I'm just getting rigged by the game. Like it's, it's never my fault. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Why don't we just like rewatch your game? Like you lost and I'll prove you wrong. Like you're wrong and you're actually making mistakes. And like a coach could help you like fix those mistakes. And it's not just the game sometimes. And he's like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. And we just watched like some games. I remember, I think it was text against gold machine. And, uh, I, I showed him like, he's like, okay, here you can see the goal. And he's like, oh, I'm getting rigged. And I'll tell him, no, you didn't mistake there. And he's like, uh, and he didn't want it to say like, like he was wrong, but he was like, <laughs> uh, may- maybe, but like at, at that moment, like, I, I know that he probably thought differently about, um, about the way he plays. And, uh, and, uh, so after that, we, uh, we both had an event in uh, Singapore. And, uh, so we were pretty much friends at that, at that point. And, uh, I remember he, he was, uh, so I was already eliminated uh, of that competition and he was playing his last game of group stage. And I was, uh, just standing behind him and he was winning like nine, one or something. And he had a penalty and he like turned around and he saw me and he's like, oh, where should I shoot? <laughs> it's just, you know, you know, classic, classic text. And so he ends the game and, uh, he just says, oh, uh, are you still in the tournament? I'm like, no, we just lost to gorilla our last game, uh, our last game in Swiss stage. And he says, uh, all right, then come and coach me tomorrow. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can, but why not? So like, I actually coached him for the rest of the month and we won. And, uh, there, the commentators like to talk about that, that moment, uh, because, uh, the game, there's one game he played in Singapore, which was against Resende and, uh, he was really struggling. Like, I think the, the first leg was a draw or something and, uh, Resende was playing free at the uh, three at the back, but in defense, it was basically a five at the back. And like at the end of first leg, he's like saying, uh, oh, I can't get into the box. I can't score goals. And I'm just, I just tell him, then why don't you shoot outside the box and just like try to find green time finishing, you know, like on FIFA 19, it was working a lot. And he's like, yeah, you know what? I'll try a second leg. He tries second leg. He has three shots outside of the box, score the three shots and win. He, he wins like three near or something in the second leg. And like commentators like kept talking about this, like, because I think for the first time, Tex realized that he could actually uh, learn something from someone else, even though he was already the best player in the world. And then we just kept on going, like winning championships, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to put it lightly, I mean, once I think the first time that I really kind of stood up and took notice, I can't remember what major it was, but there was the oh. Neymar triple Elastico yes. goal. Oh, um, no, it was Atlanta, yeah. Yeah, and I just, I thought, I've never seen anything like this before. I've never seen anyone do anything <laughs> like this before. And 
the more I watched him, um, the more I just thought this guy is on a different level to anyone that I've ever seen. Um, and obviously, I saw him up up close for the first time in the Premier League event last year. Yeah, and he just wiped the field. Um, I mean, some of the there was some really good players there. Faze Task was there. Um, a lot of really good players was there, but no one had mm-hmm. any kind of answers to him. But I wanted to ask. I mean, people listening to this might think. I mean. All young people probably who play FIFA think they're pretty good at FIFA, don't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> How good is it, are people like Tex and MS Tassar? How good are they in comparison to the normal person? Yeah, it's true that like sometimes like you would talk to like top hundred players or even like eighty one players and they think they're amazing and, and they are right, they're good at the game. But like players like Tex and MS Tassar, like yeah, of course they're on different level. It's just that, like I said, first of all, like their mentality is incredible like re- really they are really tilt proof and they 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 never give up in a game of course uh even though the game is very frustrating but it's also like they learn very quickly like you have people like me who are just gonna try to make the players rewatch their game and learn from their mistakes and it, it just those players like seems like they learn uh when they are playing the game but so quickly like they learn the how to play the game even though the game changed ever they learn it so quickly and they uh, they just adapt to everything and they, uh, I don't know, they, 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 they're just on a different level. I can't, I can't even like explain how. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting, isn't it? When when he described the, the kind of, um, the, the things that make them different, I mean, it is very similar to sport, an athlete, a, a sportsman, if you like. I mean, yeah. We had um, Red Eye on last week, one of the like an esports mm-hmm. legend, um, and we yeah. were discussing the fact that not many people see esports as. I mean, it might not be a traditional sport in the sense, but esports is definitely a sport in its own right, and FIFA is one of those esports. I mean, judge by what you've just said, I mean, you, you need all the same things that an athlete, like a, a footballer, yeah. would would need. Obviously, there's not that kind of. Um, the stamina or the, the actual kind of running for 90 minutes but in terms of mental strength there's a lot of similarities there isn't it between the these FIFA esports players and traditional sports people if you like yeah yeah but like to just like uh, um, reply to what you just said I, I still believe that for, for example like you're talking about the the fact that esports players do not need to be like uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know like a fit let's say fit as athletes like proper sport athlete but i i do believe that's something that uh, i mean i believe like a lot of people in esports is getting uh uh very normal in uh, in other esports uh, that players need to for example be in good health you know in good good fitness just because not not because they needed to play video games but because uh it's it's connected to the mental aspect in my opinion like if you're if you feel good like about yourself like you will play better in my opinion yeah that's really interesting isn't it i think i've heard a lot of um esports players um talk about their nutrition as a really important thing and Mm -hmm. and and how that's kind of changing I think, where, where do you think FIFA is at in terms of um, as an eSport? I mean, I heard you, I wasn't going to go into it at the start uh, about FIFA 19 and FIFA 20, but do you think the game needs to improve first and foremost before FIFA can be taken more seriously as an eSport? Um, yeah, definitely. But I think it has to be uh, something we all work together on. Like, it's not just... Uh, like EA needs to work on their game. Of course, like, like I've said, there is a lot of things that, that needs to be improved, especially in FIFA 20 with uh, passing, interceptions, tackling, uh, even shooting. You know, at the, the very start of the, when they released the game, they they, they talked about, uh, I think it was composed finishing. Uh, they talk about how tackling was better and everything. Uh, I'm not going to say it was a lie, but a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, no, but like the problem, for example, of FIFA 20 is that, uh, Anticipation isn't isn't a good thing. Like uh, anticipating the next move of your opponent, like the next pass, isn't enough because like sometimes the game is assisting stuff, sometimes it, it isn't. And it's like, for example, I've worked on on data a lot this year, and like there are some things you cannot just uh, analyze because there are 
quite random. Like, uh, it just, sometimes you, you just see stuff and you're like, oh, it happens, but you can't, you can't explain why. Uh, so, so yeah, they definitely need to work on the game, but I think like the, the community and, uh, the pros need to work on themselves as well. Uh, like for example, on the, on this game, we are seeing people complaining about the meta, but, uh, they are playing the same meta. They are not trying to break it. And I, I think that that's something I uh, I really like, would like to see more in the pro scene in the future is more people trying to uh, prove that they can play differently and they can perform because every year is the same. It's like, okay, so let's say 4 uh, is the meta and then everyone is going to play that formation and people are going to say, okay, let's. so the best at FIFA 19 is going to be the best player at 4 I think it's it's pretty stupid because no one is trying to show their play style and play differently. Uh, on FIFA 20, everyone is saying, okay, so the best player of the game is going to be the one who plays drop back, who plays low def, uh, we've come back on defense, so all, that kind of, uh, all that kind of things. And it's just who's going to be the best at it. Well, I quite disagree with it. Uh, for example, uh, so I didn't officially coach MS Dossara in Paris, but I did help him. Uh, to prepare for that event and especially tactically. Uh, in that event, he made the grand final. So we were in, right in the middle of the, um, how was it? Uh, how was it called? Uh, oh, obvious, oh, overloadable side meta. And yeah. uh, at these events, he made the grand final playing seven depth because I told him if you play seven depth, you will be able to counter that meta. And it works. So, so some pros see the meta. Just to explain for people who don't know what meta means. It's basically there's there's some there's some things within a game that make you more likely to win, aren't they? You you more you, it's like you're um, taking advantage of the game like, weaknesses. If it's like, like a shortcut. Yeah, like a, yeah, exactly. So, do you think some pros see the kind of meta that other other pros say? For example, a pro is abusing the meta and they're doing really well, and this pro is kind of trying to play their own game and they're not doing so well. So then they say, "Oh, you know what? I'm actually just going to go to instead of working on their game, they just go to the yeah. easy option, if you like, of going to the exactly. meta." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's the thing. If you play um, the meta, like you don't have a lot of work uh, to do to actually perform like uh, the game is gonna help you because you're playing the way the game is uh is it, it's easier but if you try to break it it takes hours and hours and hours of practice to make it work like it's not like for example if i make a tutorial or like a custom tactic video and i say to people oh you should play seven plus death they're going to be like, no, this guy, this guy is crazy. I just keep conceding counterattack after counterattacks. And that's because it takes hours and hours of practice to master it and to make it works. While if you play, like I said, like drop back, overload boss, and that kind of stuff, you're just literally pressing one button and the, the AI and everything does it for you. So, yeah. Yeah, I was... It's difficult, isn't it? For, I mean, we were talking, we've talked about this on a few different podcasts already, but if you think of FIFA, obviously it's a football game and football in real life is very random and you get random results and you get weird things happen. Um, Do they, for this, for FIFA esports to be taken more seriously, do they need to go away from realism and become more of an arcade style where they can maybe address some of the some of the randomness in the game because if if you're in the final of the world cup for example next year and you get a bit of luck and you lose a goal and you lose one nil hopefully (laughs) say if you a bit of luck cost you the game you're talking not only thousands of pounds but also that's your season over and it's not your fault really so where where do you see where do you think they need to improve um, I, I, I believe, uh, f- first of all, I believe FIFA 20 is quite realistic, uh, in my opinion. But is that a bad uh, thing though for esports? And that, that's the, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I believe it's, it's good, but it depends, um, like, I, I don't know, like I, I quite like FIFA 20. The, on, the only thing I don't like is the defensive part that isn't realistic uh, uh, in my opinion is that yes in football you have teams that like to uh, play possession uh, that likes to uh, to drop back and it's a it's a common thing in football but 
it is not something that you should be able to do just by pressing a button. It should be something that is hard to do. Defending, like defending during 90 minutes uh, around your box should be something hard to do. It, sh it shouldn't be that easy. Like scoring goals shouldn't be easy uh, and all, all those things. So uh, the realism, yes, I, I think it should be balanced to be fair, like between uh, something more arcade and something uh, close from football because it is a football game but at the same time uh, I believe people watch FIFA because they want to see things that do not happen often in um, in real football so uh, if we take an example of FIFA 19 when you could score like long shots uh, goals volleys from 30 meters all those things of course it's like it's not great but if you can score those like sometimes and it's 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 skilled it's not just like it just like it works all the time or, or it's luck but it's actually like skilled then why not like i think yeah the game has to be balanced between the two to be fair but like, like you said like if i'm in the final of the world cup and i concede like a stupid goal like that is not due to my player's fault then i uh, it happens like luck luck is everywhere luck is everywhere in sports luck is uh in in football i mean in, in football in esports in poker and whatever like there there is always a part of luck that you cannot control but i don't know like if if i can see the stupid goal let's say in in a final of a of a championship there was i would look at all the opportunities i had to score myself and that i didn't score because of my players fault i would not just look at the opportunity like that we concede but all the opportunity we missed that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way in terms of kind of you're talking about more of like a, the balancing out of luck, if you like, where you've had the chances because of the luck and then you might get one or two against you type thing. So yeah, do you think it like, kind of balances out overall? Most of the time, yeah. But yeah, so, sometimes there are games like we, ju we just, you're just unlucky, like you just feel unlucky like during 90 minutes. But most most of the time, like, you have opportunities like you if you're losing like if you're losing a game one nil and the only goal you considered is a goal that is uh that was let's say given to your opponent then you, you should uh blame yourself as well like you weren't able to score anything you had multiple opportunities to uh make the game different and you didn't yeah, I mean that that's really interesting. I've never I mean that is a, a FIFA coach talking in terms of you could have always done something better, I suppose, is what you'd say um to the the players that you're coaching. We hear the term skill gap, don't we, a lot with FIFA mm -hmm. and esports. Um do you think the skill gap has gone smaller in FIFA twenty compared to FIFA nineteen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, compared to FIFA 19, uh, I don't know, but both years, I think the the, the skill gap has gone smaller. Uh, the problem with FIFA 19 compared to uh, uh, FIFA 20, sorry, uh, compared to 19, is that the gameplay is smaller, uh, slow, slower. <laughs> uh, it's it's slower, and uh, position is easier uh, to have uh, during the game, and. Uh, the, the problem with the skill gap as well in FIFA 20 is that uh, the AI is too strong in many ways. Uh, interception is sometimes like that. That's something. Let's say uh, I have the ball around your box. Uh, I do a pass, and you're not in a position to uh, cut the passing lane, and your your AI is going to intercept the ball, uh, and you're not even controlling the player that is making the interceptions, uh, and you weren't in the, the right position. But in other situations, I have the ball in the middle of the pitch. You have a player that you're not controlling who is like inches away from the ball and you're running into him and he's not getting the ball back and he shoot. Uh, and th those kind of things happen and makes no sense Yeah, in FIFA, in my opinion. Yeah, so looking at like skill gaps and, and why they exist, do you, do you understand why... From EA's point of view, they yeah. might want to make them smaller because, oh, no. um, because for example, more players could become professional, and then also people are going to want to spend money on the game to get better, maybe as well, because they think they're nearly at that level. Nah, like like I said earlier, like 
for, for me, it should take a lot, a lot of practice, a lot of analysis to make yourself become a better player. It, it, it should not be like the, the skill that that's the skill gap is that you practice to become better and you don't just have to apply uh, a tactic and that, that is something that annoys me in FIFA as well is that people seems to be addicted to custom tactics like you see on YouTube like there are the videos that are working like the most they're like oh what is this pro playing with it, it doesn't matter like really like just practice with whatever you want your play style to be and, and that's it and the, the fact that the meta is so strong is problematic because uh, it kills the skill gap because everyone wants to be good at the meta uh so in only one way to play uh and it, it shouldn't be like that like if you if you look at other games uh every team on i don't know league of legends uh, counter strike has uh different strategies they they, they have a bunch of strategies that are uh, their own play style and they are working on it all the time it's not like it's, it's just not like viva <laughs> That must, I mean, is it frustrating for you as a coach? If you're coaching a FIFA player for months and months and you're really putting work into practicing and then you get to a major or you get to a tournament and you know the person you've been playing against hasn't been practicing, but they still win. That is that the, is that the skill gap? Is that the most annoying thing where like for players that don't practice, the practice basically isn't being rewarded? with results is that the most important thing you you find in terms of the skill gap Um, yes but at the same time like it's it's hard to tell because i I, in my opinion i believe like it it depends how you define practice because i I believe like most of the fifa players right now don't practice like we should like compared to other esports as well I, i i don't i don't think uh for example the the uh a few champions or even rivals is good practice for pro FIFA players. But yeah, yeah, like 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 you said, like the, the frustrating thing like going into an event would be to lose a game, you prepared for a month uh to play that major, your you practice more than anyone, you didn't lose uh, any practice game during let's say the the last two weeks before the event, and you go to an event and someone plays like really like the meta and and you lose and you, you feel like it's it's not your fault, like you were prepared for it, and yeah. So talking about the best players, then you've worked with Tex, mm-hmm. you've worked with MS Dasari. Um, what what do you Damien as well? Very underrated. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think is the the main difference between do do all these players have different philosophies, or do they do they kind of all have their own individual styles? Mm, yeah, I think they do have their individual style. Yeah, I mean, a lot of pros have their 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 own style. Like they don't just follow the meta, but uh, they have yeah, they do have particular play style. Like you have Tex, who is just like he just runs at people. Like he he, he doesn't care about about uh, intercepting the passes or like he, he wants the ball like here and now, and he keeps like running at you. And like of course, like I don't need to describe. The way he attacks because you just have to like you said like you, that triple elastic or or like like he loves skills and you have uh ms osari as well who likes to uh really play high he likes to uh keep position like use the space like it, it I, I could speak for hours about like how to describe like how they play like uh in deep details but yeah yeah they, they have very particular play styles and that's probably, probably them, the best player in the world I probably I, they probably wouldn't want you to explain exactly yeah, how they, exactly <laughs> how they play in great detail on a podcast for people to listen to. Um, but also, we saw um, obviously Mo Alba win the FIFA E World yeah. Cup, um, and I mean he's he's a great esports player, but not many people expect him to win. Obviously, he beat MS Dasari in the final mm-hmm. as well. Um, what what did you think of that? Did you? What did you think of the way his play style? Because he was quite different, wasn't he, to MS Tassari? He was more of yeah. kind of playing on the break more. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised actually when uh, when he won uh, because well, I'm I'm going to say this again again, but, uh, but if we look at the meta, uh, he was the best player at playing uh, 
like at the end of the season we the meta like shifted like if you if you look at the way we played with Tex at playoffs everyone was surprised i mean that that's <laughs> that's when people like started to like notice my work as well is they, they saw Tex playing at playoffs and they were like he quite changed his play style, didn't he? And uh, and that's what Moaba did as well. He understood at the end of the season that four two three one wasn't enough anymore. He needed to play something different. So he played, I believe, in the World Cup. He was playing four triple two. So he had like those two. Um, he had those two strikers coming back on defense, and he was playing very quick on the counter. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised he, he won that. To be, to, to be fair, he quite deserved to to win the World Cup just because uh, because of the way he played and the way he mastered uh, that meta at the end of the season. And Tex obviously had a bit of a disappointing E World mm-hmm. Cup, didn't he? In the end, do you think he peaked too early in the, in that season? Just because he was absolutely unstoppable towards the um, start and the middle. I wouldn't say peak too early. Uh, but I think he, he must, have, yeah, he definitely must have been really draining for him to, like, be there the whole season, uh, winning all those cups, and and then you you're in August and you're you're really tired, like, <laughs> you're you're really tired. Then he wasn't um, he wasn't in a good uh, environment as well. Maybe in that year, I, I think he, he said that in an interview as well that it was both the best year of his life and the worst, uh, and. Uh, I think now uh, it will be way better for him. Of course, uh, at that moment, he was with uh, F2, which wasn't really an esports organization. He was representing them. Uh, but now, of course, with uh, Fnatic, who is a well-known esports organization, and they have everything uh, he needs to, well, perform as well as he did during that season, winning championship after championship and staying in a, in a good state and be ready uh, when the World Cup comes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think some people listening will listen to what you said about text about how he he was exhausted towards the end of the season, and they'll probably mm-hmm. some people might think, well, he's just playing FIFA. He's just he's just a FIFA player. I mean, he must he doesn't have to work hard because he just plays a video game. But I mean, how how hard do these esports players work at trying to improve and playing the game and practicing? It's, uh, I mean, if for Tex, he doesn't actually practice much. Like I said, he's the kind of player that he doesn't play much, but uh, when he plays, he learns. Like he, he, he doesn't need to play hours and hours per, per week. He, he will just play like, he, he will learn in one hour of playing FIFA what other players will learn in uh, 20 hours, you know? So he doesn't play much, but the different, the, the thing that makes that he was really like tired of the end of the season is the whole, of course, like, first of all, the fact that he was, people were waiting, expecting him to perform, I guess, but also the the, the fact that uh, the season, like th- there was a lot of events that season, like almost every weekend, you're not, it's not like uh, people playing foot jumps, like he's not just playing foot jumps every weekend, he has to play qualifiers that are really, really long. Like we have qualifiers like during weekends that would start, uh, on Saturday and, and on Sunday and during uh, Saturday and Sunday, you play from uh, 12 to uh, 8 and like you wait and wait and wait for games and you have to stay focused during the whole weekend and you have to play your foot jump and during the week you have to practice and then the week after you have an event when you're playing to win uh, 50k uh, in a major. So like it, it just never stopped for him the whole season. When you're when you kind of expected to win, that that pressure must have kind of that pressure must pile up on you because you're just expected to win constantly, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it was very frustrating for him as well because, uh, well, before the World Cup was playoff, of course, and he lost in uh, the grand final of that event. So at that point, he realized that I think uh, that he was tired and uh uh sometimes he will not uh he will not win and you will actually like fall short uh in high pressure moments that he would not have uh at the very start of the season because he was he was tired so i i, I wasn't really surprised when we uh when we got eliminated in the group stage at the world cup like i was 
expecting that it could happen just be just because of the situation it was in even though he was the best player uh in the world during the season yeah and obviously we're not going to have the normal kind of um esports events this season because of current the mm-hmm. coronavirus pandemic um but looking ahead to kind of fifa 21 are there some kind of up and coming fifa esports players that you think people should keep an eye on um yeah uh tom definitely this season proved that he belongs where he is now uh of course played alongside the tex uh at the club world cup um i mean there are a lot of players who qualified for the world cup uh this year i mean if the world cup uh, doesn't happen uh, of course this season i i believe they will still be at that level next season so tom is definitely one of them uh Demi as well who uh, is now a free agent but uh, use i used to coach him when he was at uh, as roma i mean texan dosario are always going to be there uh and um and yeah i mean there are some um some underdogs that are coming into the scene as well you're seeing Oli Boli, a swedish uh swedish player who is uh performing really well uh, in France, we have Maestro, who is always there. Uh, and yeah. And finally, I mean, looking ahead to kind of because people listening might think that they they've got what it takes to be a FIFA esports player. What would your advice be to up and coming players that want to make it professional? What would your advice be to them? Uh, rewatch your games. <laughs> rewatch your games. <laughs> really, like. Uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I know a lot of uh, coaches, like you have uh, uh, YouTubers as well doing that, um, offering uh, coaching sessions. And when I, I I've done it once uh, for a giveaway, I, I give coaching sessions to uh, to to people, and uh, it's not something I, I really like because I feel like if you really want to get into the FIFA scene and you want to maybe one day be a pro, and you're watching. Uh, pros you're watching tournaments if you watch them closely you can understand how to play the game even even though you're not good enough yet to uh, do what they are doing if you know what they are doing right and then you rewatch yourself uh, the game you can coach yourself i mean uh, i i believe that's that's why i don't like for example giving coaching session is that i think people of course, I have knowledges about the game that people might not have, but I, I think just by watching yourself and watching pros, you can compare and know what you can do better. And this might sound like a stupid question as well, but I mean, how important is it to get the the right team as well in terms of the players that you've got on the pitch and getting the right balance of pace and passing and dribbling and defending? Game. Yeah. Oh, you, so you're talking about the pay-to-win factor, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, well, it is. It is important. That's the that's the the problem, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it's. Of course, you can you can perform well. Like we we've seen players like pro players doing well with uh, average teams. Like I'm thinking of uh, Dilo, who's a French player. Uh, playing for Vitality, who 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 is doing really well on a, on FIFA 19 with a, I don't know. He, he didn't put much on the on the on the game, and now he's he's signed with a pro team, and he, he has a really really good team. Uh, but of course, it's really hard because I believe uh, stats uh, in uh, the players' cards are really important, and it was very important on FIFA 20. Like pace was really important, strength. Uh, was really important. Like we were seeing uh, those animation, like what you're doing a fake shot and your player just completely bullies the defender, even though like you, you're, when you have like CS7 and all, all, all those players that are really, really good stats, like it, it makes it makes things so, so easy compared to if you have bad, a bad team. So, so yeah. It's not great for the game, but I don't see uh, how they can change it uh, now. Yeah, because there's so many special cards, isn't there? Especially this year, there seems to be just so many different versions um, with the different promos and everything. Um, Is the the one player that consistently all the pros that you've you've worked with, they all want in their team? Obviously, you get the Messi's and the CR7s, don't you? But is is there a player that every pro you've worked with has to get in the team somehow? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's always the same almost every year. It's like R9, Hullet, uh, 
uh, CS7, of course, Van Dijk now, <laughs> who is probably the best player on uh, on FIFA 20. So yeah, yeah, those players, those four players, definitely. Yeah, so we'll have to see, won't we, for FIFA 21 because we don't know any details about what's coming. Um, we've got the EA Play event next week where we should get a first oh, glimpse. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, I think it's the EA Play event on the... I'll have to double-check this, but I'm pretty sure it's the 18th of June. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, they haven't confirmed that FIFA 21 is going to be revealed or anything, but I think we should get a sneak peek um, at some bits and bobs, hopefully. Um, because last night in the PlayStation 4 event... Um, um, there was the NK, uh, the 2K21 tw- uh, game um, that got a uh, kind of sneak peek on that. So uh, hopefully we should see what we kind of look forward to. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what kind of changes they make. But um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when the game first comes out, um, I mean, the first time we met was at the FIFA World Cup and we, we played mm-hmm. a very early build um, of the game. Um, but it, the change from then to now has yeah. been—it's just a completely different game, isn't it? So the game that we get in September may not be the game that we end up with in June, uh, in August for the FIFA World Cup. So it just depends completely on how EA decide to develop the game throughout the year, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, like when when we played the game in August, that World Cup, the game was oh, I, I was. <sighs> I was in shock, really. Like we we just got eliminated from from uh, from the competition on, on FIFA, so it was FIFA 19, and and I was like, oh, I really hope FIFA 20 is gonna be better. And then we played the demo upstairs at the O2 Arena, and I'm like, yeah. nope, <laughs> it's not. And then and then at at the end, the game was of course way better, but in August, the game was terrible. Yeah, it's it's just I'm not we're not sure we're not obviously privy to what goes on, and you have the EA game changes that that um that have those conversations with EA about the game. I'm not sure if they have anything to do with gameplay. Um, I think it's just about streaming and stuff. But I think it will be good to see some kind of um discussion between the FIFA esports players and EA, some kind of communication yeah. about what they want from the game. Because um, obviously we've seen the uh, the high-profile case of Kurt this season, yeah. um, who is, has been trying to have a dialogue, maybe not through the best, I think he admitted himself, maybe not the best way of doing it, but he's been trying to get a dialogue with EA for quite a while about how to make the game better. But I, I then again, some pros are going to want some things from the game and then other pros are going to want another thing. So... It's going to be difficult, isn't it, for EA to balance it, even if they do open that communication with the pros? Yeah, I, th- I think in the end, everyone wants pretty much the same. Then everyone wants just a fair game. Like, that's what everyone wants. But then, yeah, of course, like, people will want a game that fits their playstyle, but they, it, do- it doesn't matter really. Like, like I said like earlier, like, if you want to play a certain way, then, then just play it. Don't, don't care if if the game is, fits it or not. But everyone wants a fair game, like I said. So, uh, just as long as they fix the the wrong things in the game, uh, like it, it's the most important thing. Uh, like we don't need new features every year on FIFA. We don't need, uh, I believe, like Volta, all those things. Of course, it is good for casual, but I, I wish they spend more time making sure that the competitive mode is uh, perfect rather than adding new stuff every every area. Yeah, I think some people forget as well when they're kind of playing the game and they're playing foot champs and division rivals and all those, those competitions which have become harder over the last few years. I mean, the game is supposed to be fun, isn't it? You're supposed to have fun. That's what video games are for, to give you that release and that, that release in terms of... Um, the outside world and you're supposed to have a break from everything and you're supposed to have fun and just, you know, enjoy yourself. So hopefully we'll see some kind of enjoyment and fun in the next game. Um, because, um, from my side, I don't know, it must be even worse for for pro players, but from my side, it just hasn't, hasn't been fun to play really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for me neither, like, uh, like I, uh, like I said, at the very start of Postcard, I don't play much because I don't really enjoy it. I didn't enjoy playing FIFA 20. On 19, I, I enjoyed it just because uh, I wasn't playing uh, like for com- competition. I was just like, it, it was so arcades uh, that I felt like, you know, doing a, a air tornado and, uh, and shooting from 30 meters. Like, it, 
when I played with friends, like doing that, it was quite fun. Of course, for competition, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> it wasn't great. But on FIFA 20, like if I turn it on and I just want to have fun playing, no, I won't, I won't play FIFA 20. I like it, it just became, uh, you, you know, I mean, it's my job, uh, to do it, but I, I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy really just playing for myself. Yeah, and I think um, I think I'll just, to anyone listening to the podcast, if you are playing FIFA 20 and I've been there before and you're not enjoying the game and you find yourself getting annoyed and you find yourself getting rolled up because it's not going your way, just switch it off. Just have a break yeah. and then come back to it later on because it's um, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something that you can do as, as a break and to relax. So if you're not enjoying it, just turn it off and then come back to it. It'll always be there. So yeah. you can go back to it later today. And um, yeah. I'd, I'd just say that to anyone who's who's kind of because it, it is easy, isn't it? With the foot champions competition, mm. thirty games in a weekend is a lot, um, especially if, if you've got like <laughs> if you've got a social life with thirty games during the yeah. the weekend. So um, I could never do that. I don't yeah. want to do it. <laughs> well, that some I mean the the pros as well. It's often forgot that they they sometimes do thirty games on Xbox and thirty games on PS4 yeah. to get the best rewards. And I don't even think it's good practice. It's just like literally for rewards, but yeah. I mean, I understand they have to do it for rewards, but it's uh, it's it's not good for, I don't think it's good neither for casual or competitive players. Yeah, well, um, um, we'll have to see, I mean, um, what FIFA 21 brings and uh, hopefully yeah. we'll get a glimpse next week. But um, yeah, Definitely. it's been amazing to have you on, Enzo. Really appreciate it. It's been really yeah, interesting. You, yeah. Um, I appreciate it as well. Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear from from a FIFA coach's point of view what you do and some of the things you look at. It's really interesting and uh, hopefully the people listening will have been interested as well. I'm sure they will. Absolutely. And uh, when FIFA 21 comes out, after it's been a few weeks or something, we'll get you on and we'll discuss the meta and how sure. people <laughs> and how people sure. can improve on the game and stuff I think that would be really interesting but uh, yeah for now I really appreciate your time Enzo it's been, it's been great yeah, having you on thank you very much thank you for listening to the Level Up podcast and esports and gaming show make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Level Up Pod we'll be back for another episode very soon